0: The Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, a collection of the final words from the sons of Jacob, exhorting their sons to walk in truth and in righteousness. Each patriarch has a unique message and perspective to share with the audience, containing unmistakable messianic prophecies and visions of end times revelation and impending judgment. The Testaments reflect some of the highest and noblest ethical teaching available, and truly foreshadow many of Messiah's own precepts. The collection was preserved in Greek, Slavonic, Georgian, Serbian, Armenian, Venetian, and Latin. They were included in some canons, such as Armenian Orthodox, and were quoted by and alluded to through prominent early assembly writers, such as Origen and Jerome. Nevertheless. They are speculated by scholars to be pseudepigraphal and perhaps even Christian works. However, the avid researcher may be excited to know that the Dead Sea Scrolls findings included parts of Levi and Naphtali dating to a minimum of 100 to 200 BC, thus lending credibility to the entire work. While we believe the Testaments to be inspired and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, it is up to you to test them and decide. With that being said, let's study together and show ourselves approved. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Testament of 12 Patriarchs reading and study my name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is the Testament of Judah, the Testament of, of course, the great patriarch who became uh, the lineage of the kings of Israel, uh, who was a warrior, standout warrior, an athlete, and one who struggled with drunkenness, uh, with excess, uh, with lusts, and other things. And as we've learned through, or as we're learning through these Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs is... Each of these, each of the patriarchs struggle with something a little different or gives us a little perspective on life lessons that we know in the scriptures are wrong, things like drunkenness or lust, but they give us more information on how to deal with these things. And I pray that tonight might be a blessing for you, whether you struggle with these things or not. Uh, This is just information that is great for the body to absorb. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Most High, we just come before you and bless you. And thank you for sending your Son, Messiah, Husha, for our sins, that we may have forgiveness and reconciliation. Father, we thank you for preserving your word, these texts, uh, such as these, for us to uh, be able to see see truth in these last days and to help us, Father, with the struggles of the world, Father. And we we ask that your words would would ring true tonight father and that you would open eyes and open ears that as we study these things that they might be a blessing for uh, myself and anyone that might hear them and we just bless you and and, and we say shabbat shalom to you in messiah yahusha's name uh hallelujah and amen uh, I apologize. It's been a few weeks. It's been I don't know, maybe four about four weeks or so since we uh, left off with the Testament of Levi. Um, we had uh, an amazing time at the Feast of Sukkot, uh, and so the uh, week or so uh, before and and during and after, we just uh, I was not able to uh, get these done. But we're done with the uh, the fall feast season, and so we're back here with the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. So I pray that you're. Fall Feast Season Was a Blessing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it might be a good time to research the seven feast days of the Most High uh, instead of keeping the pagan um, holidays of the world something you may want to research a little further if you're not sure what I'm talking about. So with that being said, let's get started. A lot to talk about tonight, and I am excited to go over it with you. So we're going to be reading the Testament of Judah. I'm going to be reading reading it online here, um, and I'll be leaving a link so that if you want to read it yourself, you can do so. So with that being said, uh, actually, quick show for then we'll start. Okay, so here we are, the Testament of Judah. Uh, chapter one and here we go let me just uh, let me just start so again uh, what we're going to find out here in the testament of judah is the kingly lineage we're going to see some uh, messianic prophecies he's gonna uh, he understands that his own lineage uh, will give birth to uh, the coming uh, messiah um, and that he dealt with lusts and drunkenness and it's kind of interesting um i think When people read through these, they they tend to align with one patriarch more than the other. Um, And it's just interesting here that that Judah is the warrior. I mean, he is the leader of battle of all his brothers. And it's interesting that the warrior uh, struggles with lust and drunkenness. And uh, I I find it interesting that um, I was once in the military. I was in the Marine Corps. And I can see this kind of mentality um, that you have this warrior, work hard, um, work hard and play even harder kind of mentality, and that's what they even teach you to do. And you see that uh, a lot of people in the military—not everybody. There's some people that go through the military that keep you know keep their nose clean, but uh, from what I experienced that a lot of people uh, struggle with this—that kind of warrior mentality and and partying hard and uh, and, and women. Uh, and, not, and it's not to say that everyone that's been in the military is is from Judah. That's not any at all what I'm saying. But it is interesting that. Um, that's something that's struggled with quite broadly out there today, uh, at least from what I've seen in my experience. And so, um, really excited to share this one with you. I, I, I think we're going to cover some topics tonight, like uh, alcohol in general. You know, does it belong in the body? Is is, is alcohol okay? Is it a, is it a sin? Um, uh, and and many other topics. Uh, and and I, I pray it's a blessing for you. Um, whether you struggle with these things or not may it be prove a blessing to you. So uh, with that being said, let's no more uh, delays. Let's go ahead and get started. So the Testament of Judah, chapter one, the copy of the words of Judah, what things he spake to his sons before he died. They gathered themselves together, therefore, and came to him and he said to them, hearken my children to judah your father i was the fourth son born to my father Jacob, and leah my mother named me judah or Yahuda, saying i give thanks to yahuwah because he has given me a fourth son also i was swift i was fast in my youth and obedient to my father in everything and We're going to pause there real quick and, and as we read through this in case you haven't watched the first three uh reuben simeon and levi what we do is when we read through this we just we read it line by line, and we just want to glean as much as we can. So I want to stop here real quick. And where he says, "I was obedient to my father and everything," and we know that's important. It's obvious. It's one of the, the one of the Ten Commandments. It's the fifth commandment: honor your mother and your father. And as Paul says, this is the first one with promise that you may live long on the land in which you go to inherit. But honor your parent, mother, and father, it's also one of those things that you you just hear and you just don't get a whole lot of instruction about. And I just wanted to pause here and just read a little bit of a a passage here from the book of Sirach, which is also known as Ecclesiasticus. And I want to read a little bit here. It says, Listen to me, your father. And by the way, in case you're new, the book of Sirach, uh, also known as Ecclesiasticus, was included in the 1611 KJV in the Apocrypha section. So this was considered scripture for a long time. It says, Listen to me, your father, O children, and Act accordingly that you may be kept in safety. For Yahuwah honored the father above the children. Pretty obvious. And he confirmed the right of the mother over her sons. Whoever honors his father atones for sins. And whoever glorifies his mother is like one who lays up treasure. Whoever honors his father will be gladdened by his own children. And I want to just pause there real quickly. Um my father and i we weren't very communicative for about 15 or 17 years i don't know the exact time frame but we didn't have a lot of communication we had some issues and reading this chapter changed my whole perspective of of wanting to reconnect with my father and it was actually through this chapter that i did reconnect with my father and i actually saw this verse come alive before my eyes it says whoever honors his father will be gladdened by his own children so Take that for a second or think about that for a second. And when he prays, he will be heard. Whoever glorifies his father will have long life. And whoever obeys Yahweh will refresh, will refresh his mother. He will serve his parents as his masters. And that's kind of the tune of what we're seeing here. I was swift to my youth and obedient to my father in everything. So, and whoever obeys Yahweh will refresh his mother and he will serve his parents as his masters. Honor your father by word and deed. Not just lip service, but by your lips and by your services and that's really a reflection of how we obey our heavenly father as well because in matthew 15 messiah rebuked the pharisees that he you know you honor you honor me much with your lips but your heart is far from me in vain keeping the commandments of men so he they were giving him lip service but they weren't doing they weren't obedient to what he actually told them to do so honor your father by word and deed that a blessing from him may come upon you for a father's blessing strengthens the house of the children or the houses of the children but a mother's curse uproots their foundations do not glorify yourself glorify yourself by dishonoring your father for your father's dishonor is no glory to you so if your you know your parents have issues or your your father has issues don't go about and just be like yeah my dad blah blah blah, blah. For a man's glory comes from honoring his father, and it is a disgrace for children not to respect their mother. O son, help your father in his old age, and do not grieve him as long as he lives, even if he is lacking in understanding. So he gets old and lacking in understanding. Maybe uh, memory is gone or whatever. Show forbearance in all your strength. Do not despise him. For kindness to a father will not be forgotten, and against your sins it will be credited to you. And the day of your affliction, it will be remembered in your favor. As frost in a fair weather, your sins will melt away. Whoever forsakes his father is like a blasphemer, and whoever angers his mother is cursed by Yahuwah. Just wanted to stop and share that real quick with you real quick. Kind of a little off topic from today's overall study, but hey, I just, when we saw this, I really wanted to to share that, something to glean, because, you know, even if... um 98% of you out there have already read that passage for those 2% that haven't I really wanted you to hear that um, passage from Sirach alright Judah chapter 1 verse 5 and I honored my mother and my mother's sister and it came to pass when I became a man that my father blessed me saying you shall be a king prospering in all things so um, he prophesied over him that he would be king and we find this also in uh, in the blessings in Genesis uh, chapter 49 uh, before Jacob died and it says here in Genesis 49, a Judah, you are he whom your brethren shall praise. That's part of his name. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies, So he's a warrior. Your father's children shall bow down before you. So he's going to be king. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you are gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up the scepter, which is the scepter of the kingdom shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall be the gathering of the people. Will be, and this is a prophecy about Messiah. So, um, again, this is overall a prophecy about him being king. So, this is just confirming that. And Yahweh, so back to Judah, chapter one, verse seven. And Yahweh showed me favor in all my works, both in the field and in the house. I know that I raced a hind and caught it, and prepared the meat for my father, and he did eat. And the roads I used to master in the chase and overtake all that was in the plains. A wild mare I overtook and caught it and tamed it. So he was a hunter, and he was a very efficient hunter. This doesn't mean that uh, just because like Esau was a good hunter, that doesn't mean that every hunter. Oh, you're okay, Esau. You know you want to be some hunter. This is a good thing. And so Judah, a good man, was a good hunter. He was very athletic, very um. He just excelled. He excelled in anything uh, athletic. Here, I slew a lion. And plucked a kid out of its mouth. Sounds like David, right? I took a bear by its paw and hurled it down the cliff, and it was crushed. Some people, some people, I've heard read books like this in the Book of Yeshua, and they're like, ah, whatever. It sounds like comic book stuff. Is it? Or did these men have amazing power from Yah? I outran the wild boar and seizing it as I ran, I tore it in sunder. And this is this is a this is an image of man having dominion over creation. It's, it said he mastered a well, wild mare. He overtook and caught it and tamed it. This is having dominion over creation. Genesis 1, 28 says, And Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And we can see here Judah took that seriously. <laughs> I outran the wild boar and seizing it as I ran, I tore in center. So he was fast, really fast, maybe even superhuman fast. But I believe that's the kind of power he gave to Abraham and his descendants. A leopard in Hebron leaped upon my dog, and I caught it by the tail and hurled it on the rocks, and it was broken in twain. He loved his dog. I found a wild wild ox feeding in the fields and seizing it by the horns and whirling it round and stunning it. I cast it from me and slew it. So I just wanted to share that it's very possible that David probably read some of these texts and was like, Judah did it? I can do it. I'm a, I'm a descendant of Judah. I can do these things. And 1 Samuel 31-37 uh, through 37, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. This is, of course, about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with his Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, "Your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and I took a lamb out of the and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Your servant both your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living Elohim." David said moreover. Yahweh that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine and Saul said to David go and Yahweh will be with you so look at that I mean David probably more than likely knew these stories and was like Judah did these things I'm a descendant of Judah I'm a descendant of Abraham I can do these things. Verse 16, and when the two kings of the Canaanites came sheathed in armor against our flocks and much people with them, single-handed, I rushed upon the king of Hazor and smote him on the greaves and dragged him down, and so I slew him. And the other, the king of Tapua, as he sat upon his horse, I slew, and so I scattered all his people. He's a warrior, he's a mighty warrior. Nothing could stand in his way acor the king a man of giant stature i found hurling javelins before and behind as he sat on horseback and i took up a stone of 60 pounds weight and hurled it and smote his horse and killed it and i fought with this other two uh, other for two hours and i clave his shield in twain and i chopped off his feet and killed him and as i was stripping off his breastplate behold nine men his companions began to fight with me and I wound my garment on my hand, and I slung stones at them, and killed four of them, and the rest fled. And Yaakob my father slew Beel Beelisath, king of all the kings, a giant in strength, twelve cubits high, and fear fell upon them, and they seized warring against us. Therefore my father was free from anxiety in the wars when I was in when I was with in my brethren, sorry, when I was with my brethren. For he saw in a vision concerning me that an angel of might followed me everywhere that I should not be overcome. So Judah had literally an angel of might or of power that followed him that nothing could happen to him. And I think this is a good reminder for us to read Psalm 91. I think this is a good excuse to read Psalm 91. And the promises the Most High has for us. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of Yahuwah, he is my refuge and my fortress. My Elohim in him will I trust. Surely... He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust. His truth, his Torah, shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come close to you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Why? Because you have made Yahweh, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come close to your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. And how do we love him? We love him by keeping his commandments. It's very clear. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. I think both literal and figurative, he has a name. And I think we can, you know, there's difference of opinions of how to translate that. But I think we we recognize at this point his name is not God. It's not Lord. Um, It's you know, I believe it's Yahuwah, our Heavenly Father. I believe Yahusha, the Son. But, you know, some people believe it's uh, Yahweh or Yehovah, and, and I, fine. Some people believe Messiah's name is uh, Yeshua or Yahshua. You know, no arguments there. But I think he sees our heart in that we want to actually call upon his name. Religion has distru- has completely removed his name. Judaism and Christianity both have removed his name from the picture. But his word says clearly, he has known my name. That's the literal part. Figuratively, his name is his character. It's his commandments. It's his Torah. And we know him by keeping his commandments. In first John chapter 1 John 2 3. And the herein is how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar. So He shall call upon me by his name and I will deliver him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Praise Yah. All right, so back to uh, Judah chapter one, verse 26. And in the South, there came upon us a greater war than in Shechem. And I joined in battle array with my brethren and pursued a thousand men and slew of them 200 men and four kings. And so this is just impossible odds, but this is nothing new. We see that all throughout Scripture. And so some people will look at uh, uh, texts like this and be like, oh, that's just fantasy. That's just comic book stuff. Well, the Bible talks about victories just like this. You have Gideon with the 300 men versus the entire army. And you have many other instances where it's just like, you know, impossible odds. We'll read here in just a little bit about uh, Abraham and his 318 men versus five entire armies. That's is that comic book stuff or is that the truth? I believe it's the truth, but it says here in the south there came upon us a greater war than in Shechem, and we we know, we know about that through the book of Yashar, chapter thirty-seven. If you're not familiar, the book of Yashar is mentioned by name uh, in uh, Joshua ten thirteen. Are these things not written in the book of Yashar? Also in Second Second Samuel one eighteen, are these things not written in the book of Yashar? Some people would say the book I'm about to read for you is not that uh, legitimate book, but I, through much testing, I believe it is. And uh, so I want to read a little, a little bit of Jasher 37 here that talks about this greater war that we just saw here. It says, In the south there came upon us a greater war than in Shechem. And um, this, this whole thing, I think it starts at chapter 35. And we'll see that after they destroyed, we're not going to see it here, but just to kind of get you up to speed here, after the destruction of Shechem, if you're not familiar, um, uh, when Shechem had uh, basically raped uh, Dina, the 12 brothers' uh, sister that um Levi and Simeon went in and destroyed the whole town they just killed them just them two killed the entire town and after that and we learned about the book of Yashar that all the Canaanite cities heard about this and they all rose up to, to to defeat them the first time they all came together um their own counselors were like they got scared they're like hey if two men destroyed an entire city what happens if we go against all the brothers let's just you know let's let's just let's get out of here but then they come back, and here they come back again. We'll read, we'll read this. And in the 105th year of the life of Jacob, that is the ninth year of Jacob's dwelling with his children in the land of Canaan, he came from Padan Aram. And in those days, Jacob journeyed with his children from Hebron, and they went and returned to the city of Shechem. So they returned after they destroyed it. They and all belonging to them, and they dwelt there. For the children of Jacob obtained good and fat pasture land for their cattle in the city of Shechem. The city of Shechem having then been rebuilt, and there were in it about 300 men and women. And Jacob and his children and all belonging to him dwelt in the part of the field which Jacob had bought from Hamor, the father of Shechem, when he came from Padan Aram before Simeon and Levi had smitten the city. And all those kings of the Canaanites and Amorites that surrounded the city of Shechem heard that the sons of Jacob had again come to Shechem and dwelt there. And they said, shall the sons of Jacob, the Hebrew, again come to the city and dwell therein? After that, they had smitten its inhabitants and driven them out? Shall they now return and also drive out those who are dwelling in the city or slay them? And all the kings of Canaan again assembled, so this is the second time, and they came together to make war with Jacob and his sons. So this is the war that's talking about. And in the south there came upon us a greater war than in Shechem. And Jashub, king of Tapnach, sent also to, to all his neighboring kings, to Elan, king of Gash, and to Ihurai, king of Shiloh, and to Pathron, king of Chazar, and to Shusai, king of Sarton, and to Laban, king of Beth Horan, and to Shabir, king of Othnai Ma, saying, "Come up to me and assist me, and let us smite Jacob the Hebrew and his sons, and all belonging to him, for they are again come to Shechem to possess it and to slay its inhabitants as before. And all these kings assembled together and came with all their camps, a people exceedingly plentiful, like the sand upon the seashore, and they were all opposite Tapanach. And Jashub, king of Tapanach, went forth to them with all his army, and he encamped with them opposite to Tapanach, without the city. And all these kings they divided into seven divisions, being seven camps against the sons of Jacob. And they sent a declaration to Jacob and his sons, saying, Calm you all forth to us, that we may have an interview together in the plain, and revenge the cause of the men of Shechem, whom you slew in their city. And you will now again return to the city of Shechem, and dwell therein, and slay its inhabitants as before. And the sons of Jacob heard this, and their anger was kindled exceedingly, and the words of the kings of Canaan, and and ten of the sons of Jacob hastened and rose up, and each of them girt on his weapons of war, and there were one hundred and two of their servants with them equipped in battle array. And all these men, the sons of Ya'qub, with their servants, went towards these kings. And Jacob, their father, was with them, and they all stood up, stood upon the heap of Shechem. And Jacob prayed to Yahuwah for his sons, and he spread forth his hands to Yahuwah. And he said, O Elohim, you are an almighty Elohim. You are our father. You did form us, and we are the works of your hands. I pray you deliver my sons through your mercy from the hand of their enemies, who are this day coming to fight with them and to save them from their hand. For in your hand is power and might to save them, save the few from the many. And give unto my sons your servants strength of heart and might to fight with their enemies, to subdue them and make their enemies fall before them. And let not my sons and their servants die through the hands of the children of Canaan. But if it seems good in your eyes to take away the lives of my sons and their servants, take them in your great mercy through the hands of your ministers, that they may not perish this day by the hands of the kings of the Amorites. And when Jacob ceased praying to Yahuwah, the earth shook from its place, and the sun darkened, and all these kings were terrified, and a great consternation seized them. And Yahuwah hearkened to the prayer of Yaqob, And Yahuwah impressed the hearts of all the kings and their hosts with terror and awe of the sons of Yaqob. For Yahuwah caused them to hear the voice of chariots and the voice of mighty horses from the sons of Jacob, and the voice of a great army accompanying them. And these kings were seized with great terror at the sons of Jacob. And whilst they were standing in their quarters, behold, the sons of Yaqob advanced upon them with 112 men with a great and tremendous shouting and when the king saw the sons of Jacob advancing towards them they were still in more panic struck and they were inclined to retreat from before the sons of Jacob as at first like I was saying earlier and not to fight with them but they did not retreat saying it would be a disgrace to us thus twice to retreat from before the Hebrews and the sons of Jacob came near and advanced against all these kings and their armies and they and they saw and behold it was a very mighty mighty people numerous as the sand of the sea and the sons of Jacob called unto Yahweh and Said, "Help us, O Yahweh! Help us and answer us, for we trust in you, and let us not die by the hands of these uncircumcised men who this day have come against us." And the sons of Jacob girt on their weapons of war, and they took in their hands each man his shield and his javelin, and they approached to the battle. And Judah, the son of Jacob, ran first before his brethren and ten of his servants with him, and he went towards these kings. And Jashub, the king of Tapanach, also came forth first with his army before Judah. And Judah saw Jashub and his army coming toward him. And Judah's wrath was kindled, and his anger burned within him. And he approached a battle in which Judah ventured his life. And Jashub and all his army were advancing towards Judah, and he was riding upon a very strong and powerful horse. And Jashub was a very valiant man, and covered with iron and brass from head to foot. And whilst he was upon the horse, he shot arrows with both hands from before from before and behind, as was his manner in all his battles, and he never missed the place to which he aimed his arrows. And when Jashub came to fight with Judah and was darting many arrows against Judah, Yahweh bound the hand of Jashub and all the arrows that he shot rebounded upon his own men notwithstanding this jashub kept advancing towards judah to challenge him with the arrows but the distance between them was about 30 cubits and when judah saw jashub darting forth his arrows against him he ran to him with his wrath excited might and judah took up a large stone from the ground and its weight was 60 shekels and judah ran towards jashub and with the stone struck him on his shield that jashub was stunned with a blow and fell off from his horse to the ground and the shield burst asunder out of the hand of jashub and through the force of the blow sprang to the distance of about 15 cubits and the shield fell before the second camp and the kings that came with Jashub saw at a distance the strength of Judah the son of Jacob and what he had done to Jashub and they were terribly afraid of Judah and they assembled near Jashub's camp seeing his confusion and Judah drew his sword and smote 42 men of the camp of Jashub, and the whole of Jashub's camp fled before Judah, and no man stood against him. And they left Jashub and fled from him, and Jashub was still prostrate upon the ground. And Jashub, seeing that all the men of his camp had fled from him, he hastened and rose up with terror against Judah, and stood upon his legs opposite Judah. And Jashub had a single combat with Judah, placing shield towards shield, and Jashub's men all fled, for they were greatly afraid of Judah. But Jashub took his spear in his hand to strike Judah upon his head, but Judah had quickly placed his shield to his head against Jashub's spear, so that the shield of Judah received the blow from Jashub's spear, and the shield was split in two. And when Judah saw that his shield was split, he hastily drew his sword and smote Jashub at his ankles, and cut off his feet that Jashub fell upon the ground, and the spear fell from his hand. And Judah hastily picked up Jashub's spear with it, with which he severed his head, and cast it next to his feet. And when the sons of Yaakov saw what Judah had done to Jashub, they all ran into the ranks of the other kings. And the sons of Yaakov fought with the army of Jashub and the armies of all the kings that were there. And the sons of Yaakov caused 15,000 of their men to fall. And they smote of them as if smiting at gourds, and the rest fled for their lives. And so this is just where you see that though these men were athletic and mighty and just powerful, this is like, this is Yahuwah's doing of just, you know, making them like, just like we saw with Gideon, where they 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 blew the shofars, they smashed the pots, and all the men were just going you know crazy. They were killing each other, and and they were just like it was just like nothing. And so you see the you know they they smote as a smote them as a smiting gourd. So it was like a bunch of like pumpkins were just in front of us, and were just like slice slice slice. It's like nothing. And so this is obviously the doing of Yahweh, and this is why they always. This is why we always. Give glory to Yahweh, And even in all of our things, we may not be doing these kinds of battles, but you know Yahweh fights for us in a mighty way even today. This is why we give him glory uh, even to this day. And uh, anyways, it just keeps going. But uh, it, it, and if you're interested in this, um, the book of Yashar, if you have not read it, uh, really most of the chapter thirty, like all the thirties and even into forty, you have these amazing wars. And there's there's tons. If you're interested about reading more about these uh, wars of Judah and all of his brethren, uh, the book of Yashar details all the wars of Canaan against that that whole campaign that they they waged against them, and it just mighty mighty battles that they had. So uh, I would encourage you to read more if you're interested. Um, and so okay so in the south there came upon us a greater war than that in Shechem and I joined in battle array with my brethren and pursued a thousand men and slew of them two hundred men and four kings and I went up upon the wall and I slew four mighty men and so we captured Hazor and took all the spoil and the next day we departed to Aretan a city strong and walled and inaccessible threatening us with death but I and Gad approached on the east side of the city and Reuben and Levi on the west and they that were upon the wall thinking that we were alone were drawn down against us and so my brothers secretly climbed up on the wall on both sides by stakes and entered the city while the men knew it not and we took it with the edge of the sword and as for those who had taken refuge in the tower we set fire to the tower and took both it and them and we see and and I'm sorry and as we were departing the men of Tapua seized our spoil and seeing this we fought with them And we slew them and recovered all our spoil. And when I was at the waters of Cozabah, the men of Jobel came against us to battle. And we fought with them and routed them and their allies from Shiloh we slew. And we did not leave them power to come against us. And the men of Machir came upon us the fifth day to seize our spoil, and we attacked them and overcame them in fierce battle. For there was a host of mighty men amongst them, and we slew them before they had gone up, to the, gone up the ascent. And when we came to their city, their women rolled upon us stones from the brow of the hill on which the city stood. And I and Simeon had ourselves behind the town and seized upon the heights and destroyed the city also. And the next day it was told us that the king of the city of Gaash, with a mighty host, was coming against us. I therefore and Dan feigned ourselves to be Amorites and as allies went into their city so it reminds me of like uh, um Joshua sending the two spies and you need to go into um um into uh, Jericho but also mo- it reminds us of the story of like um you know, like the Trojan horse We're like, eh, you know come on in and then psh, anyways. And in the depth of night our brethren came, and we opened to them the gates, and we destroyed all the men and their substance, and we took for a prey all that was theirs. And their three walls we cast down, and we drew near to Thamna, where was all the substance of the hostile kings. Then being insulted by them, I was therefore wroth and rushed against them to the summit. And they kept slinging against me stones and darts, and had not Dan my brother aided me, they would have slain me. We came upon them, therefore, with wrath, and they all fled. And passing by another way, they fought my father, and he made peace with them. And we did to them no hurt, and they became tributary to us, and we resorted to them their spoil. And I built Damna, and my father built Pabael. And I was 50, 20 years old when this war befell. And the Canaanites feared me and my brethren. And I'll just stop there real quickly. <clears throat> um, so just to share with you, like the like Abraham and his his war. We'll look at uh, the book of Yashar, 16, 1 through 7. This gives us a little more details about the um, the battle which we saw when um, these kings had destroyed Sodom and took Lot and all the spoil, and that's when Abraham took his 318 men and went to town and destroyed them all. This is the book of Yashar. We just get a little more details. It they, they really um, gives you a perspective of, of, of the kind of might that Yahweh gave these men. At that time, Keterleomer, king of Elam, sent to all the neighboring kings, to Nimrod, king of Shinar, who was then under his power, and to Didal, king of Goim, and to Arioch, king of Elisar, with whom he made a covenant, saying, Come up to me and assist me, that we may smite all the towns of Sodom and its inhabitants, for they have rebelled against me these thirteen years. And these four kings went up with all their camps, about eight hundred thousand men. Remember that. And they all went as they were and smote every man they found in their road. And the five kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shem Eber, king of Zeboim, Bera, king of Sodom, Beersha, king of Gomorrah, and Bela, king of Zoar, went out to meet them, and they all joined together in the valley of Siddim. And these nine kings made war in the valley of Siddim, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were smitten before the kings of Elam. And the valley of Siddim was full of lime pits, and the kings of Elam pursued the kings of Sodom. And the kings of Sodom with their camps fled and fell into the lime pits, and all that remained went to the mountain for safety. And the five kings of Elam came after them and pursued them to the gates of Sodom, and they took all that was there in Sodom. And they plundered all the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they also took Lot, or Lot, Abram's brother's son, and his property, and they seized all the goods of the cities of Sodom. And they went away, and Unik, Abram's servant, who was in the battle, saw this, and told Abram all that the kings had done to the cities of Sodom, and that Lot was taken captive by them and Abram heard this and rose up with about 318 men that were with him and he that night pursued these kings and smote them and they all fell before Abram and his men and there was none remaining but the four kings who fled and they went each to his own road so that means they slew about 800,000 men about 800,000 men 318 verses 800,000 men I I believe these accounts brothers and sisters I believe it with all my heart these are true nothing nothing is impossible with el with the most high that's what the scripture teaches us luke 137 for nothing will be impossible with elohim and though we might not be waging war uh, at this time whatever we have going on in our lives nothing's impossible for elohim so what if just what if we had the kind of faith that these men had how they had in battle that they knew nothing could come upon them. What if we believed that in our day? That nothing, with nothing, is impossible with Elohim, nothing. And I had much cattle, and I had for chief herdsman Iram the Adulamite. And when I went out, when I went to him, I saw Parsaba the king of Adullam, and he spake unto us, and he made us a feast. And when I was heated, he gave me his daughter Bathshua to wife. We'll talk about this more. This is the Canaanite woman. She bare me Ur, Oran and Shilah. And two of them, Yahweh smote, for Shelah lived, and his children ye are. Chapter 2. But before we go to chapter 2, you know, what about today? Are we to be mighty warriors and band together and create an army and take down take down things? Uh, no. And, and I just want to share a couple things with you uh, regarding to this. Um, if, uh, if this will pull up. <laughs> I hope it does. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this up too. That pulled right up. Why isn't this pulling up? Here we go. So we, we're we looking at like, um, think about people like Judah and, and, the, and the brothers and, and David and all these mighty men. This is what Proverbs says. 1632, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. So, so someone who has control over their ruach has control, uh, self-control. And self-control would be the right word. So it says, and he that has self-control in his ruach than he that takes a city. So, and I'm not saying that any of us that do these things are better than people like Judah or David but this is this is kind of showing with you what's really important what's more important for a man to go make war and take over a city right now or for one who is slow to anger and one that rules his own spirit has self-control in his own spirit the book of Proverbs says the man that does that is better than he that takes a city or better than a mighty uh, a mighty man First John two six. He that says he abides in him so he that says that so a person that says I live in Messiah ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. So how did Messiah walk? Matthew 26.53-54 this is when they're getting ready to arrest him. He said don't you think that I can't thinkest thou I'll just read it in the KGB thinkest thou that I cannot pray now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels I think a legion is like 6,000 so do that math. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? So Messiah is like <clears throat> I can make war right now if I want to and pff, all done, you know I'll be done. But that's not what his first coming was about. And I believe and we know that Messiah has the two comings, the lion and the lamb. He came as a lion uh, came as a lamb, will return back as a lion. Well, right now I believe that we're to be like lambs, we're to walk as he walked. A lion, of course, in the ruach and powerful, but as far as like physical alterc, you know physical altercations or these kind of things no i don't believe we're supposed to take up arms at this time the only time that's done is when we're under the rule and reign of messiah when he's physically here and he's like let's go let's go subdue the nations until then i believe we're supposed to walk as he walked even if we think that we're mighty men we can we could take down the no Luke nine, fifty one through fifty six. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent his messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Master, will you that we will you now that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? So they're like, Let's just destroy them. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not of what manner of spirit you are, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So if we're to walk like Messiah walked, even if we had the right to do these things, I don't believe that we're in a time like that. There is the time, there will come a time that Messiah will come back and will destroy many people. So we just have to know the time we're in. Revelation 19. Verse eleven. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he has a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of Elohim. And the armies which were in heaven followed him, uh, followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. So he's going to make war, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty El Shaddai. <clears throat> so Messiah is going to come back and destroy a lot of people. Isaiah 66 says he's going to come back, and the slain of Yahweh will be many. Micah five, seven through 9 and the remnant of Jacob so Israel his people shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from Yahweh as the showers upon the grass that tarries not for man nor waits for the sons of men and the remnant of Jacob which we know now is not a particular ethnicity or skin color or race but we know that the remnant of Jacob Jacob Israel is the seed of Abraham the seed of Abraham are those that are in Messiah the remnant of Jacob shall be among <clears throat> among the nations in the midst of many people as a line amongst the beast of the forest as a young line among the flocks of sheep which if you picture that for a minute imagine you have a a sheep fold of, of sheep let's say you have a a nice big and fenced uh, yard with 50 sheep in it and then you put a line in it How, What's how's that going to work out for the sheep Who, if he goes through, both treads down and tears in pieces, and none can deliver him. A sheep has no defense against the lion. Zero. None. Your hand shall be lifted upon your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. So there will be a time. But that time is not now. That time is not until Messiah comes back and says, let's go. Let's do this. Book of Yeshar, 75. And... <clears throat> this is an interesting passage because people that are saying that hey, you know, now it's time to you know to, to declare war or you know these kind of things. We have to remember that there's a story in the book of Yashar about thirty thousand Ephraimites that said, "Hey, you know what? Now's the, Now's the time. Now's the time we go make war. Let's let's band together and make war." While they were still in in um, this is the time there's, this is I'm sorry about the time this is the time they were still in Egypt in captivity, and thirty thousand Ephraimites were like, you know what? Now's the time we're leaving Egypt. They left without Yahuwah, and they went to go make war, and they were all destroyed. Let's just read it. At that time, in the 180th year of the Israelites going down into Egypt, there went forth from Egypt valiant men, 30,000 on foot, from the children of Israel, who were all the tribe of Yosef, of the children of Ephraim, the son of Yosef. For they said the period was completed with which Yahweh had appointed to the children of Israel in the times of old, which he had spoken to Abraham. And these men girded themselves, and they each they, and they put each man his sword at his side, and every man upon every man his armor upon him. And they trusted to their strength, and they went out together from Egypt with a mighty hand. But they brought no provision for the road, only silver and gold. Not even bread for that day did they bring in their hands, for they thought of getting their provision for pay from the Philistines, and if not, they would take it by force. And these men were very mighty and valiant men. So these are very strong men, valiant in war, mighty men of war. No man could, uh, I'm sorry, one man could pursue a thousand and two could rout 10,000. So they trusted to their strength and went together as they were. And they were direct and they directed their course toward the land of Gath. And they went down and found the shepherds of Gath feeding the cattle of the children of Gath. And they said to the shepherds, Give us some of the sheep for pay that we may eat, for we are hungry, for we have eaten no bread this day. And the shepherds said, Are they our sheep or cattle that we should give them to you even for pay? So the children of Ephraim approached to take them by force. And the shepherds of Gath shouted over to them that their cry was heard at a distance. So all the children of Gath went out to them. And when the children of Gath saw the evil doings of the children of Ephraim, they returned and assembled to the men of Gath. And they put on each man his armor and came forth to the children of Ephraim for battle. And they engaged with them in the valley of Gath, and the battle was severe, and they smote from each other a great many on that day. And on the second day, the children of Gath sent to all the cities of the Philistines that they should come to their help, saying, <clears throat> Come up unto us and help us, that we may smite the children of Ephraim who have come forth from Egypt to take our cattle and to fight against us without cause. Now the souls of the children of Ephraim were exhausted with hunger and thirst, for they had eaten no bread for three days. And forty thousand men went forth from the cities of the Philistines to assist the men of Gath. And these men were engaged in battle with the children of Ephraim. And Yahweh delivered the children of Ephraim into the hands of the Philistines. And they smote all the children of Ephraim, all who had gone forth from Egypt. None were remaining but ten who had run away from the engagement. For this evil was from Yahweh against the children of Ephraim. For they transgressed the word of Yahweh in going forth from Egypt before the period had arrived, which Yahweh in the days of old had appointed to Israel. So here's what I'm saying. <clears throat> we can all sit here and try to do all the calculations we want and say oh now's the time that we leave but here's the thing we can't leave captivity until it until Yahusha comes and gathers us sure phys- sure uh, spiritually we've been we've been delivered from egypt we've been delivered from babylon but we're still we're still physically here In bondage until he comes and gathers his people, so this is not a time for us to go out and make war. This is a time where we are to be lambs like Messiah, here to save life, not to destroy it. All right, Judah, chapter two. And eighteen years was my, my father abode in peace with his brother Esau, and his sons with us. After that, we came from Mesopotamia from Laban. And when 18 years were fulfilled in the 40th year of my life, Esau, the brother of my father, came upon us with a mighty and strong people. And Jacob smote Esau with an arrow, and he was taken up wounded on Mount Seir. And as he went, he died at Anoniram. And we pursued after the sons of Esau. Now they had a city with walls of iron and gates of brass, and we could not enter into it. And we encamped around and besieged it. And when they opened not to us in twenty days, I set up a ladder in the sight of all with my shield upon my head, and I went up, sustaining the assault of stones. Upward of three talents weight, and I slew four of their mighty men. I'm going to pause real quick. I went to, meant to, meant uh, make mention of this, and so it says, and Jacob smote Esau with an arrow, and he was taken up wounded on Mount Seir. So we have a, um, uh, we have a connection here. The Book of Jubilees, chapter thirty-seven, verses fifteen. Uh, through thirty-eight, verse two. So, and the men of Hebron sent to him, saying, "Behold, your brother Esau has come against you to fight you with four thousand girt with a sword, and they carry shields and weapons, for they loved Jacob more than Esau." The people that told Jacob this story, so they told him, for Jacob was a more liberal and merciful man than Esau. But Jacob would not believe it until they came very near to the tower. And he closed the gates of the tower and he stood on the battlements and spoke to his brother Esau and said, Noble is the comfort wherewith you have to comfort me for my wife who has died. Is this the oath that you did swear to your father and again to your mother before they died? They swore that they wouldn't fight each other. You have broken the oath and on the moment that you did swear to your father, you were condemned. And Esau answered and said unto him, Neither the children of men nor the beasts of the earth have any oath of righteousness which in swearing they have sworn an oath valid forever. But every day they devise evil against one another and how each may slay his adversary and foe. So he's making the connection or he's trying to, Esau is trying to put forth a doctrine that just because, you know, all the animal kingdom destroys each other every day, you know, so we can do the same thing. And you do hate me and my children forever, and there is no observing the tie of brotherhood with you. Hear these words which I declare unto you If the boar can change its skin and make its bristles as soft as wool, or if it can cause horns to sprout forth on its head like the horns of a stag or a sheep, then I will observe the tie of a brotherhood with you, and if the breasts I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah, if the breasts separate themselves from their mother, for you have not been a brother to me. And if the wolves make peace with the lambs, so as not to devour or do them violence, and if their hearts are towards them for good, then there shall be peace in my heart towards you. So Besal is likening himself to the beast of the field. And if the lion, which uh, the word says not to be like the beast of the field, and if the lion becomes the friend of the ox and makes peace with him, and if he is bound under one yoke with him and plows with him, then I will make peace with you. And when the raven becomes white as the Raza, then know that I have loved you and shall make peace with you. You shall be rooted out, and your son shall be rooted out, and there shall be no peace for you. And when Jacob saw that he was so evilly disposed towards him with his heart and with all his soul as to slay him, and that he had come springing like the wild boar which comes upon the spear that pierces and kills it and recoils not from it, then he spake spake to his own and to his servants that they should attack him and all his companions. And let's go into just a couple more verses. And after that, Judah spoke to Jacob's his father, and said unto him, Bend your bow, father, and send forth your arrows, and cast down the adversary, and slay the enemy. And may you have the power, for we shall not slay your brother, for he is such as you, and he is like you. Let us give him this honor. Then Jacob bent his bow, and sent forth the arrow, and struck Esau, his brother, on the right breast, and slew him. So confirming uh, scriptures there that this is true, that Jacob did kill Esau. Uh, And Reuben, so back to Judah chapter 2, verse 7. And Reuben and Gad slew six uh, six others, and they asked from us terms of peace, and having taken counsel with our father, we received them as tributaries. And they gave us 500 cores of wheat, 500 baths of oil, which if I found the right conversion, a bath of oil is almost like six gallons, 500 measures of wine until the famine when we went down into Egypt. And after these things, my son Ur took to wife Tamar from Mesopotamia, a daughter of Aram. Now Ur was wicked, and he was in need concerning Tamar, because she was not of the land of Canaan. Now on the third night an angel of Yahweh smote him, and he had not known her, so they didn't have relations, according to the evil craftiness of his mother, for he did not wish to have children by her. And in the days of the wedding feast I gave Onan to her in marriage, and he also in wickedness knew her not, though he spent with her a year. And when I threatened him, he went in unto her, but he spilled the seed on the ground according to the commandment of his mother, and he also died through wickedness. So, something just to consider. Um, you know, we look, and this is, it's, it's written the exact same way in the Torah. And so this is something that's been of debate. So, you know, should should we spill seed? You know, maybe maybe uh, Onan was was destroyed just because of the wickedness of his heart, and not just because he spilled seed. But we can see that this is an evil deed. That that's not something that should happen. So this kind of goes into, and the reason I'm going to bring this up is because this study talks. We're going to talk about here in a little bit about um, fornication and lusts. And so this brings up the the question, the long debated question. You know, is um, well, if you have children uh, listening, so maybe you don't want them to hear what I'm about to say, so I'm going to give you uh, a quick shofar blast warning. So, it's been long debated, should, um, is masturbation, you know, is it against Torah, is it, is it good, is it not? So when I look at something like this, this gives me the fear of, yeah, that something like that should not be done. And we'll talk a little bit more about this with fornication in in a bit. Okay, children come back. Verse 16. And I wish to give Shelah also to her to uh, Tamar, but his mother did not permit it, for she wrought evil against Tamar, because she was not the daughters of Canaan, as she also herself was. And I knew that the race of the Canaanites was wicked, but the impulse of my youth blinded my mind. And we're going to talk about why why he was driven to uh, marry this Canaanite woman, and it's going to explain here, but a little more in detail in the next chapter. And when I saw her pouring out wine, owing to the intoxication of wine, I was deceived and took her, although my father had not counseled it. And while I was away, she went and took for Shelah a wife from Canaan. And when I knew what she had done, I cursed her in the anguish of my soul. And she also died through her wickedness together with her sons. And after these things, while Tamar was a widow, she heard after two years that I was going up to shear my sheep and adorned herself in bridal array and sat in the city of Naim by the gate. And For it was a law of the Amorites that she who was about to marry should sit in fornication days by the gate seven days by the gate so this is kind of crazy so they had a law these Amorites which was a wicked nation just like the Canaanites <clears throat> that before someone was married they had to sit in fornication for seven days like almost like prostitution for seven days and it's the complete opposite of like the purity that one's supposed to keep themselves before marriage uh, under the laws of Yahuwah and, um, and that might seem ridiculous today because you know but you know there's some, there's still some there's still some societies out there that have really crazy laws out there um, but just to show a, a, a vast contrast between the ways of Yah and the ways of, of the other nations, the inverted laws of the nations. And we're kind of getting to a place there, if, if we can be honest, uh, of what's being allowed in this country and many others is really complete inversion of the law of Yah. And we're living in the days where good is considered evil and evil is considered good. And how far that this is going to go, well, we don't know. All I can say is come, come Messiah Yehusha, We're waiting for you. So therefore, being drunk with wine, I did not recognize her. This is still talking about Tamar, his daughter-in-law. And her beauty deceived me through the fashioning of her adorning. And I turned aside to her and said, Let me go in into you. And she said, What will you give me? And I gave her my staff and my girdle and the diadem of my kingdom and pledge. And I went in unto her, and she conceived. And not knowing what I had done, I wished to slay her. But she privily sent my pledges and put me to shame. And when I called her, I heard also the secret words which I spoke when lying with her in my drunkenness, and I could not slay her because it was from Yahuwah. For I said less happily she did it in subtlety, having received a pledge from another woman. But, it came, but I came not again near her while I lived because I had done this abomination in all Israel. He took his, his uh, son's wife, uh, unknowingly, of course, but he did. Moreover, they who were in the city said there was no harlot in the gate, because she came from another place and sat for a while in the gate. And I thought that no one knew that I had gone into her. And after this, we came into Egypt to Yosef because of the famine. And I was forty and six years old, and seventy and three years lived I in Egypt. So let's go to uh, chapter three now. Here's where we get to the kind of the meat uh, of the study that I wanted to uh, to share with you, especially specific uh, specifically about um, wine uh, overindulgence, uh, about in- uh, drunkenness, intoxication, uh, about fornication, um, the 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 deceits uh, of these things, and so we'll uh, we'll talk about that now here. So here we go. Now I command you, my children, chapter 3. Now I command you, my children, hearken to Judah your father and keep my sayings to perform all the ordinances of Yahuwah and to obey the commandments of Elohim. And this is how we test these scriptures is because um, we know that... Um when scriptures talk against the commandments of Yah or whatnot, that's how we know that you know th- something is not inspired. But this is this is something. Some people say this is written um, after Messiah, hundreds of years after Messiah. Which hundreds of years after Messiah, they were already teaching doctrines of not keeping the commandments and, and to kind of doing their own thing. And walk not after your lusts, nor in the imagination of your thoughts, in the haughtiness of heart, and glory not in the deeds and the strength of your youth, for this also is evil in the eyes of Yahuwah. So what are we supposed to glory in? The book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 9 tells us what we're glory in. Jeremiah nine twenty-three. Thus says Yahuwah, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says Yahuwah. So, but Judas says same thing. Same thing. Glory not in the deeds and strength of your youth, for this also is evil in the eyes of Yahweh. By the way, real quick, I just want to say, if if sometimes I tend to go too so so fast through things, I talk kind of fast sometimes. I, I apologize. That's kind of just who I am. Um, but I do. I will have study notes for you on this, so that everything we're talking about, all the scriptures we're linking, everything, uh, will I will have uh, study notes for you, so that you can look all this up uh, on your own. So since also I gloried that, so he gloried, so Judah gloried in himself and his his achievements and these kind of things, that in in wars no comely woman's face ever enticed me and reproved Reuben, my brother, concerning Bilhah. We talked a lot about this in the Testament of Reuben weeks ago, the wife of my father. The spirit of jealous the spirits of jealousy and fornication arrayed themselves against me until I lay with Bashur the King. And so this is kind of saying because he reproved Reuben his brother concerning Bilha, which uh, we know that he already had plenty of reproof through his father, rightly so. Uh, it says here that the spirit, because of that the spirits of jealousy and fornication arrayed themselves against me until I lay with Bashua the Canaanite and Tamar who was espoused to my son. So it's kind of like he was tested, and in these kind of things he failed. And I'm not I'm not uh, judging Judah. Uh, I'm sure a far better man than I am. But um, and one of the one of the main patriarchs. So I'm not I'm not saying that we're just kind of going through um, what the text is actually saying here. For I said to my father-in-law, I will take counsel with my father, and so will I take your daughter. This is talking about Bathsheba the Canaan, talking about her father. And he was unwilling, but he showed me a boundless store of gold in his daughter's behalf, for he was a king. And he adorned her with gold and pearls and caused her to pour out wine for us at the feast with the beauty of women. And the wine turned aside my eyes and pleasure blinded my heart. So this is this brings up the question, is wine evil? So I've heard I've heard both sides. And, and there's a lot of people that are like, alcohol is evil. Um, it's not of Yah, stay away from it. Let's look at some scripture. Let's look at some scripture. Genesis fourteen eighteen. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High. So, he brought forth to Abraham bread and wine. And some some people would say, um, well, it wasn't wine back then; it was grape juice. I would beg to differ, because if you look at history, um, they didn't even know how to preserve grapes uh, to. Uh, to stop the fermenting process and to just keep it as grape juice until like the Welch, uh, until Welch's did it in the 17th century. So the only way they knew to preserve it was through fermentation and to preserve it through wine, which when it, with, with fermentation comes alcohol. It's alcoholic, you know, it it, it has that, that effect. Numbers 15, 5, in the fourth pot of a hint of wine for a drink offering, shall you prepare with the burnt offering of a sacrifice for one another? So if y'all hated wine, why would he command it as one of the, the offerings? John two one through eleven, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Well, we know that we know this story. Messiah turned water into wine. If Messiah hated wine, why would he turn water into wine? And we know that we know we can tell through this story that this is alcohol. This is alcohol. It says, when the ruler of the feast tasted the water, that it was made wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but you have kept the good wine till now. Because basically what he's saying is um, people bringing out the good wine and as people are kind of like just feeling good and yeah, whatever, you know, then they bring out the whatever wine. And people are like, ah, oh, whatever, doesn't care. This is one of the, this is the beginning of miracles that Yahushua did, so if, if Ya'h really hated wine, why would he do that isaiah fifty five one ho everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come ye, buy and eat, yes, come and buy wine and milk and without money without price. So I'm just basically sharing with you that wine is not a bad thing first timothy five twenty three drink no longer water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake, and you are often in infirmity, so it can be used uh, medicinally, even wine. Matthew 11, 18 through 19, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and he says he has a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified over children. So Messiah drank wine. And we know that through the Passover as well. Proverbs 20, verse 1. So now we, we know that there are, so wine is acceptable for Yahweh. He allowed it to be made, and he allowed men and women to, to make it and enjoy it now we're, we're going to get to the key behind this. Proverbs 20 verse 1. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So per, people that are deceived by alcohol. Ephesians five eighteen: And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit. So here's the same person Paul who just said you know don't just drink water but drink a little bit of wine. But the key is to not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And this is this is the key here in, in anything. And we'll see here this, that what we're going to talk about is not just wine. This can be uh, on a broad spectrum of topics of excess. Elohim doesn't want us to have excess. Anything, it be wine or food, whatever, we'll talk about it in a second. Leviticus 10.9, do not drink wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. It should be a statute forever throughout your generation. So there's regulations regarding wine. Proverbs 23, 20, Being not among winebibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. And you can see there's a parallel here. Gluttony and overindulgence in wine. Don't do it. Don't be a part of people that do it. Deuteronomy 21, 20, And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will neither be our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. You can see the correlation here. We'll talk more about it in a second. But the the key thing is, we're going to ask ourselves, is wine evil or is there something else to this? But he says here, And the wine turned aside my eyes because he was drunk and pleasure blinded my heart. And I became enamored of, and I lay with her and transgressed the commandment of Yahuwah and the commandment of my fathers, and I took her to wife. And Yahuwah rewarded me according to the imagination of my heart inasmuch as I had no joy in her children. And now, my children, I say unto you, be not drunk with wine, for wine turns away the mind away from the truth. The truth we know, Psalm 119, 142, is the Torah. And inspires the passion of lust and leads the eyes into error. So wine is like a is like gasoline poured on the fire that ignites this lust and passion of lust and leads the eyes into error in modern day things like pornography and many other things. For the spirit of fornication has wine as a minister to give pleasure to the mind. So, literally, wine, alcohol itself, can be a fuel to the fire of fornication. For these two also takes away the mind of a man. Fornication and drunkenness. For Now listen. For if a man drink wine to drunkenness, it is it disturbs the mind with filthy thoughts leading to fornication. And heats the body to carnal union, and if the occasion of the lust be present, he works the sin and is not ashamed. Such is the inebriated man, the drunken man, my children, for he who is drunken reverences no man, including Yah. For lo, it made me also to err, so that I was not ashamed of the multitude in the city, and that before the eyes of all I turned aside unto Tamar, and I wrought a great sin, and I uncovered the covering of my son's shame. After I had drunken wine, I reverenced not the commandment of Elohim, which was to not take of the daughters and the the, the daughters of Canaan, and I took a woman of Canaan to wife. For much, and listen here. here and here's the key. This is where we want to get to. For much discretion needs the man who drinks wine, my children. And herein is discretion in drinking wine. A man may drink, so long as he preserves modesty, self-control. Self-control is the key here. It's it's one of the fruits of the spirit. Listen, Galatians 5:19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness orgies and things like these I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of Elohim do you have the fear of Yah in you if you are struggling with any of these now the, the praise Yah that as we go through these testament of the 12 patriarchs that we get to pretty much cover all of these things so basically the, the scriptures say don't do these things but we don't get a whole lot in written form of how do we get away from these things so today we're going to talk we're talking mostly about sexual immorality drunkenness so people that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of Elohim. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is kind of the, the aha moment, the bingo here. For much discretion it needs the man who drinks wine, my children. And here in his discretion in drinking wine, a man may drink so long as he preserves modesty. Modesty is self-control. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete ex- exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath or crown or, or reward, but we an imperishable crown or reward. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. And this is in regards to alcohol and a slew of other topics. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. No self-control, disqualification. That's what Paul says, and I agree. Second Timothy 1.7 For Elohim gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The Ruach of Elohim comes with self-control. It comes with time and with patience. It's not like you get the Ruach and then all of a sudden all these things go away. It takes time. It takes patience. And it takes diligence on our part to be like, you know what? Yeah, I want to be. I want to break these things. And if you need more help with breaking things like fornication, we talked a lot about this in the book of uh, Testament of Reuben. But breaking these things is like breaking chains, breaking yokes. And we learned about that in Isaiah 58. And Messiah says some of these things will not come out but by prayer and fasting. And if you're struggling with alcohol or addiction in general, and that's why I say this is not just talking about wine, but this is about addiction in general. And the days that we live in, there's so many, there's so many addictions, there's so many things that people can be um, really uh, yoked to. Pain pills, um, all all sorts of drugs, people can be addicted to, and being bondage to. But prayer and fasting can break the chains, break the yoke. Hallelujah. Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit one who has self-control than he who takes a city. Remember that. Proverbs 25.28 A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And that's what happens. That's what we were learning about earlier. The person who's drunk or actually I think we'll learn about it in a second. The person who allows drunkenness allows a spirit to come in. And we learn about that with Messiah that um, that the spirit couldn't come in unless he first... Or a thief can't uh, steal from a strong man unless he first bind the strong man and then he comes in and breaks his house. So a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-20 Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of Elohim? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of Elohim. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our master, Yahushua HaMashiach, and by the spirit of our Elohim. All things are lawful for me, quote, he's quoting, he, Paul, this passage always confused me, but I think this, this um, translation, I think this is the ESV, um, really kind of helps me see this. So he's like quoting you, he's like, he's saying, all things are lawful for me, But not all things are helpful. You're saying all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And Elohim will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for Yahuwah and Yahuwah for the body. And Elohim raised our master and will also raise up us by his power or us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Messiah? Shall I then take the members of Messiah and make them members of a prostitute? Never. And I say that because I've heard people say, well, Judah, you know, Judah slept with a prostitute. Well, you know, so that should be okay. Well, we've got all the scriptures and all these, all, all the things that we've learned through these patriarchs and the, and the falls and the and the things that they've done that, we, don't, we shouldn't have this excuse. So I then take the members of Messiah and make them members of a prostitute? Never. And that's not to say that none of us messed up, but I'm saying that now that we're cleansed by the blood of Messiah, now that we're walking the Spirit, we need to flee for these things. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the master becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, HaKodesh, within you, whom you have from Elohim? You are not of your own, but you are bought with a price. So glorify your body... Glorify Elohim in your body. Praise Yah. Praise Yah. So here we go. Let me just read this again. It's, For much discretion needs the man who drinks wine, my children. And herein is discretion in drinking wine. A man may drink so long as he preserves modesty. But if he go beyond this limit, the spirit of deceit attacks his mind. So it's like allow the sin. This This is the spirit binding the strong man via drunkenness and then going into his home and plundering it and breaking it up. So if he beyond this if he go beyond this limit it's like it's like it's it's like you physically or spiritually allow give place to these spirits so if he be beyond, go beyond this limit the spirit of deceit attacks his mind and it makes the drunkard to talk filthily and to transgress and to not be ashamed but even to glory in his shame and to be account himself honorable I know I know what it's like. One of the things that I struggle with, brothers and sisters, i and tell you from this beginning, that's actually, actually where I learned how to drink. I learned how to be valiant in drinking alcohol in the, in the Marine Corps. I worked hard, but we played even harder. And I learned, uh, uh, I, that's where I learned to be to, to drink, to, to party, to be a reveler, to be a drunkard. And I know, because I know the mindset. And this is all true words, because I was once, and I thought that I was doing good. I was a good man. What are we talking about? I'm a good man. It blinds you. So the excess invites a spirit. I want to read a little bit from the Testament of Reuben, chapter 1, verses 23 through 32. We read this a couple weeks ago, or almost a couple months ago now. With these spirits are mingled the spirits of error. First, the spirit of fornication is seated in the nature and in the senses. The second, the spirit of insatiableness in the belly. This is so This is insatiableness means unable to be satisfied in the belly. That's gluttony. Or it could be even with alcohol. The third, the spirit of fighting in the liver and the gall. The fourth, is the spirit of obsequiousness and chicanery. This is fake. Someone who's fake, that through officious attention one may be fair in seeming. Put someone putting on a big show. The fifth is a spirit of pride, that one may be boastful and arrogant, the sixth is the spirit of lying and perdition and jealousy to practice deceits and concealments from kindred and friends. The seventh is the spirit of injustice, with which are thefts and acts of rapacity, that a man may fulfil the desire of his heart, for injustice works together with the other spirits by the taking of gifts. And with all these spirits the spirit of sleep is joined with that of error and fantasy. And so perishes every young man, darkening his mind from the truth of Torah and not understanding, understanding the law of Elohim, nor obeying the admonitions of his fathers as befell me also in my youth. also want to read a couple passages from the book of Sirach. Uh, we mentioned this earlier. Uh, Sir, Sirach thirty-one nineteen 19-30. How ample a little is for a well-disciplined man. Self-control. He does not breathe heavily upon his bed. Healthy sleep depends on moderate eating. He rises early and feels fit. The distress of sleeplessness and of nausea and colic are with the glutton. If you are overstuffed with food, get up in the middle of the meal and you will have relief. Listen to me, my son, and do not disregard me. And in the end, you will appreciate my words. And in all your works, be industrious and no sickness will overtake you. Men will praise the one who is liberal with food and their testimony to his excellence is trustworthy. The city will complain of the one who is... uh, We'll just use a different word. Who is not generous with food, and their testimony to his ungenerousness is probably not even a word is accurate. Do not aim to be valiant over wine. This is where I was guilty. We used to have drinking competitions and you know all kinds of things. Do not aim to be valiant over wine. So it's not like a competition. Like, oh, look at how much I can do. For wine has destroyed many. Fire and water prove the temper of steel, so wine tests the heart in, hearts in the strife of the proud. Wine is like life to men if you drink it in moderation. What is life to a man who is without wine? It has been created to make men glad. And let me just pause there real quick. And that, that, that verse can be really taken out of context, but I think he's speaking in a poetic sense because I will also tell you, you know, the Most High, praise Yeah, delivered me from alcoholism, from drunkenness in 2014. And there was a period of time where I was able to drink wine in moderation. And, and you know, I can tell you uh, from experience, and those of you who are adults and you've had a, a glass of wine or two here and there, I'll tell you this it's very enjoyable sit down with friends um at a meal and have a glass of wine or two and you know you know when 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 the wine or or, or the beer or whatever alcohol comes upon you it's like this nice warm fuzzy feeling and, and the conversation becomes even more uh, exciting and it's it's nice you have you know friends over and, and um and you, you know you have a meal and have a couple of drinks. it's it's nice it's enjoyable it is it really is enjoyable Wine drunk in season and temperately is rejoicing of heart and gladness of soul. Wine drunk to excess is bitterness of soul. So it's like, a, this is like a, wine is a double-edged sword. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Even like I said, even Paul said, drink a little bit for your stomach's sake. And, 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 and I'm not saying all this to say like, hey, you need to start drinking wine. But this is a very highly debated topic, especially uh, people coming out of the, the Christian churches. There's, there's a lot of denominations that are like, no way. You can't have it. It's, it's illegal. That's not the case. That's not scriptural. And what all I want to do is basically share what the scriptures say. Wine is a double-edged sword, just like the word of Elohim can be a double-edged sword. People can use it for, for good. People can also use it for bad to justify many wrong things. Just like the internet, the double-edged sword. The internet can be used for many great things. How many of us are learning the word of Yah? I, I you know, the Yah used uh, teachings on YouTube to help me come back to Him, and now He allows me to do the same thing to help other people. Internet can be also used to be for terrible things. Speaking of the fornication, you know, uh, 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 pornography is one of the one, is a plague amongst the world, amongst young men and women, and even people in in still in Torah They're still struggling with these things. But it's time to come out of it. But the going back to the point. Wine can be a double-edged sword. Wine drunk in season and temperately. Temperately means self-control is really rejoicing of the heart and gladness of soul. I've known many people that all their lives they just had a beer or two with dinner and that's it. And they have a good time. And then there's people that can't. That have one, and then two, and then three, and then four, and five, and then ten. They just can't. They have no self-control. Wine drunk to excess is the bitterness of soul. There's that double-edged sword. With provocation and stumbling, drunkenness increases the anger of a fool to his injury, reducing his strength and adding wounds. Sirach, 37, 27-31. My son, test your soul while you live and see what is bad for it and do not give it do not, do not give it that. So, and this is what, uh, and this is what we're going to see here with with Judas. And say, you know, if you can't keep self control with wine, just stay away from it completely. And that's all vices in this world. If you just can't stop smoking cigarettes, and you know it's destroying your lungs and your health, get away from it, flee from it, like it's death, because it is. For not everything is good for everyone. And not every person enjoys everything. And, you know, if someone thinks I'm sitting here promoting wine, I don't drink alcohol. And this is, it's one of the reasons that I decided to um, to take the Nazarite vow uh, two and a half, almost three years ago now. Because I, the story goes, um, I was delivered of, of drunkenness in 2014. I didn't touch it for years, and then coming back to Torah, I'm like I'm, you know I'm like, oh, the Passover and wine's part of it, okay and so you know I had a glass of wine or two at, at Passover and I enjoyed it and I was warm and fuzzy and yummy. and then I realized that I was really looking forward to you know uh, the next time I was able to drink wine. I was like, oh, well, well, you know this is the occasion I can drink wine." And then I was like thinking to myself, I was like, you know what are you doing? What are you doing? You probably should just stay away from this." And so that with a few other things is one of the reasons I, I, I decided to just take a vow. Take a vow of the Nazarite, which means no alcohol. And so the point being is, I'm just sharing a little bit of my testimony. The point being is, not everything is good for everyone. So wine may not be good for you. Alcohol may not be good for you. Other things may not be good for you. You have to to look at your own life and see what this looks like. Because what I'm talking about with wine could, could go into many other subjects of your life. And not every person enjoys everything. Do not have an insatiable appetite for luxury. And for any luxury, and do not give yourself up to food, for overeating brings sickness, and gluttony leads to nausea. Look at this world. This this word is true. Many have died of gluttony, but he who is careful to avoid it prolongs his life. And I say that because I think food, food is a, is one of the easiest ones to spot that that something in excess, something that's so, that that's good and that Yah created, that's good for us, in excess is terrible for us. And and alcohol is one of those things. And the reason we're focusing so much on this is you don't really get a whole lot of this in the scripture. We, we read a couple of the, the passages in the book of Proverbs that goes over you know drunkenness, but you don't get a whole lot of instruction here. And this is the only book I know of that has pure instructions for alcohol. Verse 17 again. But if he go beyond this limit, the spirit of deceit attacks his mind, and it makes the drunkard to talk filthily, and to transgress, and to not be ashamed, but even to glory in his shame, and to account himself honorable, He that commits fornication is not aware when he suffers loss and is not ashamed when he put to dishonor. For even though a man be a king and commit fornication, he is stripped of his kingship by becoming the slave of fornication, as I myself also suffered. For I gave my staff, that is, the stay of my tribe, and my girdle, that is, my power, and my diadem, that is, the glory of my kingdom. And indeed, I repented of these things. Wine and flesh I ate not until my old age, nor did I behold any joy. So true repentance. Well, you ask yourself, why wasn't Judah removed? As we continue to read through these patriarchs, you'll see that some of these patriarchs didn't even sin. And so it's like, why didn't Yahweh just remove Judah? Like, okay, so you're drunk, you married a Canaanite woman, uh, your life's a mess. Um, then you sleep with your, your, your son's wife and, and make her pregnant and have a bunch of kids. You know, so from a bird's eye view, and again, I am no judge because um, my, I've, I have sinned greatly. I was a sinner of sinners, and I I am not worthy of anything. I'm not worthy to have salvation, let alone even be speaking to you here of these things. But Yah had mercy on me. What's the what's the difference? So why why wasn't Judah removed? Why wasn't David removed when he (laughs) murdered Uriah and and committed adultery with with Bath Bathsheba? So this is Bathsheba, Bathsheba. Repentance. The heart. He repented, and Judah repented with all his heart, and it says, "And indeed, I repented of these things," and he, and he did it with all of his heart, just like we saw with Reuben. He messed up bad too, but he repented, and was forgiven. He repented, and this is a type of uh, fasting here. Wine and flesh, he did not eat for a long time. David, fa- David, David, um, repented with all of his heart, and he was forgiven. And the angel of Elohim showed me that forever do women bear rule over king and beggar alike. And from the king they take away his glory and from the valiant man his might. And from the beggar even that has that the little witchy is the stay of his poverty. So it's, so it's like everything can be taken. And that women rule over men, especially ones that have, don't have self-control. There's a, um, uh, let me see where are we have time. Yeah, we're getting a little long-winded here. Um, I would I would encourage you to read 1st Ezra. So a lot of you are familiar with this channel. We've read 2nd Ezra, Ezra a lot. But there's also a book called 1st Ezra, or, or in your sephir, it's called 3rd Ezra. Read 3rd Ezra or 1st Ezra, chapter 3, all of it, and then through chapter 4, uh, verse 41. Uh, it's a blessing. And basically what it comes down to is, so he has a speech about wine. Uh, speech, they have a speech about what's the what's the most, the, there's three bodyguards and they have a debate of which is the strongest. One says the wine is the strongest because it, you know, it, it um, well, very powerful. Um, the second person said, no, the king's the most powerful and gives his reasons. And then Zerubbabel, he's like, no, women, women rule over you, silly. Right? Women give birth to the king and every people that rules over the land, from women they come. Um, Here's this one. Do you not labor and toil and bring everything and give it to your woman? A man takes a sword and goes out to travel and rob and steal and sail the seven seas of the seas and rivers. He faces lions, he walks in darkness, and when he steals and robs and plunders, he brings her back to his woman he loves. A man loves his wife more than his father or his mother. Many have lost their minds because of women, and have become slaves because of them. Many have perished or stumbled or sinned because of women. And now do you not believe me? Is not the king great in his power? Do not all lands fear to touch him? Yet I have seen him with Apame, the king's concubine, the daughter of the illustrious Barticus, and she would sit at the king's right hand and take the crown from the king's head and put it on her own and slap the king with her left hand. And at this, the king would gaze at her with his mouth, mouth agape. If she smiles at him, he laughs. If she loses her temper with him, he flatters her that she may be reconciled to him. Gentlemen, why are not women strong since they do such things? and then, But then he goes and talks about the truth, which is stronger than everything. So it's a great read. Um, I just give you the kind of uh, the quick highlight of it, but uh, totally amazing so uh chapter uh, testament of judah chapter 3 verse 25 now here it is if you drink wine in gladness be modest have self-control in the fear of elohim for if in your gladness the fear of elohim departs then drunkenness arises and shamelessness steals in but if you would live soberly, do not touch wine at all, lest ye sin in words of outrage and in fightings and in slanders and transgressions of the commandments of Elohim, and ye perish before your time. Moreover, wine reveals the mysteries of Elohim of of mysteries of Elohim and men, even as I also reveal the commandments of Elohim and the mysteries of Yaakov my father to the Canaanitish woman Bathsheba, which Elohim bade me not to reveal. And wine is a cause of both war and confusion. I think addictions in general need to be realized here and need to be discussed, uh, at least amongst yourselves in your mind in prayer. And now I command you, my children, not to love money nor to gaze upon the beauty of women because for the sake of money and beauty I was led astray to Bathsheba the Canaanite. So this is the other thing I forgot to mention earlier. So you struggle with the desire for money, for riches. Because we saw earlier that um, Judah was actually like, hey, let let me go take counsel with my father uh, before I do this, and, and, and Bathsheba's father was like, no, 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 let me show you all this gold and whatever. And Jude and was like, and then in the wine is like, oh, okay, you know. So, um, so again, he says, Not to love money, nor gaze upon the beauty of women, because for the sake of money and beauty I was led astray to Bathsheba the Canaanite. Let's read a little quick little passage in the uh, Testament of Issachar, chapter 1, verses 32 through 38. It says, and now hearken to me my children and walk in singleness of your hearts for I have seen in it all that is well pleasing to Yahweh the single minded man covets not gold he overreaches not his neighbor he longs not after the manifold dainties he delights not in varied apparel simple clothing He does not desire to live a long life, but only waits for the will of Elohim. And the spirits of deceit have no power against him. For he looks not on the beauty of women, lest he should pollute his mind with corruption. There is no envy in his thoughts. No malicious person makes his soul to pine away, nor worry with insatiable desire in his mind. For he walks in singleness of soul and beholds all things in uprightness of heart, shunning eyes made evil through the error of the world, lest he should see the perversion of any of the commandments of Yahuwah. Keep, therefore, my children, the Torah of Elohim, and get singleness, and walk in guilelessness, not playing the busybody with the business of your neighbor, but love Yahuwah and your neighbor, and have compassion on the poor and the weak. Let's go to uh, the Testament of Reuben, chapter 1, verses 33 through 38. And now, my children, love the truth, the Torah, and with, and it will preserve you. Hear the words of Reuben, your father. Pay no heed to the face of a woman, nor associate with another man's wife, nor meddle with affairs of womankind. For had I not seen Bilhah bathing in a covered place, I had not fallen into this great iniquity. So he, these images, made, these images, made him want to do the deed, and so that's why I go back to pornography is extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. And this is why Messiah, think about what Messiah says: that if even if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery within her heart. We gotta to get to the root of these problems. Keep keep your keep your your eyes cleansed, keep your ears cleansed from what goes in them. For my mind, taking the thought of the woman's nakedness, suffered me not to sleep until I'd wrought the abominable thing. For a while Yaakov, actually, I'll we'll just stop there. I'll we'll stop there. But think about it. Think David. David wouldn't have sinned unless he saw Bathsheba bathing. Matthew 5, 20, But I say unto you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Get to the root of the problem. What are your eyes feasting after? What are your ears listening to? Get at the root of the problem. So again, and now my, I command you, my children, not to love money nor gaze upon the beauty of women because for the sake of money and beauty I was led astray to Bathsheba the Canaanite. For I know that because of these two things, money and women, shall my race fall into wickedness. For even wise men among my sons shall they mar and shall cause the kingdom of Judah to be diminished which Yahweh gave me because of my obedience to my father. For I never caused grief to to Yaakov my father for all things whatsoever he commanded I did. And Yitzchak the father of my father blessed me to be king in Israel and Yaakov further blessed me in like manner. And I know that from me shall the kingdom be established, and I know what evils you will do in the last days. Beware, therefore, my children, of fornication and the love of money, and hearken to Judah your father for these things withdraw uh, you from the law for these things withdraw you from the law of Elohim, that is the love of money and fornication and blinds the inclination of the soul and teaches arrogance and suffers not a man to have compassion upon his neighbor. They rob his soul of all goodness and oppress him with toils and troubles and drive away sleep from him and devour his flesh. Boy, I know this. And he hinders the sacrifices of Elohim, and he remembers not the blessing of Elohim. He hearkens not to a prophet when he speaks and resents the words of godliness, for he is a slave to two contrary passions and cannot obey Elohim because they have blinded his soul. And he walks in the day as in the night. This is a stumbling at the, uh, this is uh, um, what we read about in Isaiah 50, I think it's 50, 55. Anyways, um But we liken this to the Torah being the light and the opposite of walking in the Torah is walking in darkness. My children, the love of money leads to idolatry because when led astray through money, men name gods as those who are not gods and it causes him who has it to fall into madness. For the sake of money, I lost my children and had not my repentance and my humiliation and the prayers of my father been accepted, I should have died childless. uh, Testament of Benjamin, chapter 2, verses 1-4. through And do ye, my children, flee evil doing, envy, and hatred of brethren, and cleave to goodness and love? He that has a pure mind in love looks not after a woman with a view to fornication, for he has no defilement in his heart because the spirit of Elohim rests upon him. For as the sun is not defiled by shining on dung and mire, but rather dries up both and drives away the evil smell, so also the pure mind... Though encompassed by the defilements of the earth, rather cleanses them and is not itself defiled. So this is why Messiah says, um, you know, Father, I pray not to take them out of the world, right? And that we're not, that even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. And so even though we're encompassed by, um, especially men with temptations of the way women dress today and all these different things that we have, if we have a pure mind, we won't be defiled by these things and they won't affect us and that as the sun is not defiled by um, dung, but the sun itself dries that up. In that same way, we are to be a light in this world and not to be defiled by the things all around us. First um, Timothy 6.10, For the love of money, not money itself, the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after, and they have erred from the faith and, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Matthew 6:24-33 No man can serve two masters for he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money mammon Therefore I say unto you that doesn't mean you can't have money but there's a difference between having money and serving money Therefore I say unto you take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap "'Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. "'Are you not much better than they? "'Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? "'And why do you take thought for raiment? "'Consider the lilies Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. "'They toil not, neither do they spin. "'And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory "'was not arrayed like one of these. "'Wherefore, if Elohim so clothe the grass of the field, "'which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, "'shall not much more he clothe you, O you of little faith?' Take no thought, therefore, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the nation seek. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But first seek ye the kingdom of Elohim and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So the thing is here, if you focus after Yah and walking in his ways, it's like all these things, you're going to have all these things anyways. But where's your mind focused? Are you kingdom minded or are you earthly things minded? Are you are you is, are you minded after the love of money and the things that love that money buys? Is your whole world career and climbing the ladder? Not that having a career or climbing the ladder is bad. He may give you that th- that anyways, if you make him your focus, if you make walking after the kingdom or being kingdom minded the focus of your life, what if he gives that to you anyways? But in the reverse, if you don't make his kingdom first and don't search thirst after his righteousness, but make your career and climbing the ladder your your business your things, that's where one falls, and that's where one is the love of money, and that's where one is serving mammon rather than serving Elohim, and that's the difference. Testament of Reuben, chapter two, verses one through twelve. Pay no heed, therefore, my children, to the beauty of women, nor set your mind on their affairs, but walk in singleness of heart in the fear of Yahuwah, and expend labor on good works and on study and on your flocks until Yahuwah give you a wife, whom he will, that she suffer not as I did. For until my father's death I had not boldness to look in his face or to speak to any of my brethren because of the reproach. Even until now my conscience causes me anguish on account of my impiety. And yet my father comforted me much and prayed for me unto Yahweh that the anger of Yahuwah might pass from me, even as Yahweh showed. And thenceforth until now I have been on my guard and sinned not. Therefore, my children, I say unto you, observe all things whatsoever I command you, and you shall not sin. For a pit unto the soul is the sin of fornication, and separating it from Elohim, and bringing it near to idols, because it deceives the mind and understanding, and leads down young men into Hades before their time. For many has fornication destroyed, because though a man be old or noble, or rich or poor, he brings reproach on himself with the sons of men, and derision with Beliar. Satan. For you heard regarding Yosef how he guarded himself from a woman and purged his thoughts from all por- uh, fornication and favor found favor in the sight of Elohim and men. For the Egyptian woman did many things unto him and summoned magicians and offered him love potions, but the purpose of his soul admitted no evil desire. Therefore the Elohim of your fathers delivered him from every evil and hidden death. Listen to this. For if fornication overcomes not your mind, neither can Beliar overcome you. Praise Yah. Crazy. all right back to testament of judah chapter 3 verse 44 but the elohim of my fathers had mercy on me because i did it in ignorance and the prince of deceit blinded me and i sinned as a man and as flesh being corrupted through sins and i learned of my own weakness while thinking myself invincible we all have weaknesses but Yahweh can turn our weaknesses into strengths I know for a fact this is the uh, book of Elijah the prophet all uh, included in the book called the Order of the Ancients chapter 6 verse 4 it says if he were honest in acknowledging his weaknesses before Elohim then would Yahweh make his weaknesses to become strengths unto him confess your weaknesses before Yah and he can turn them into strengths I know I know and I can be a testimony I can be a testimony to that Back to Testament of Judea, chapter 3, verse 46. Know therefore, my children, that two spirits wait upon, the, upon man, the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit and in the midst of is the spirit of understanding of the mind to which it belongs to turn, whithersoever it will. And the works of truth and the works of deceit are written upon the hearts of men, and each one of them Yahuwah knows. And there is no time at which the works of men can be hid, for on the heart itself have they been written down before Yahuwah. And the spirit of truth testifies all things and accuses all, and the sinner is burnt up by his own heart and cannot raise his face to the judge. That's pretty powerful. Yah knows everything. You can't hide anything from him. Uh, Testament of Naphtali, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19, says this And as the potter knows the use of each vessel, what it is meet for, so also does Yahweh know the body, how far it will persist in goodness, and when it begins in evil. For there is no inclination or thought which Yahuwah knows not, for he created every man after his own image. For as a man's strength, so also in his work, as his eye, so also in his sleep, as his soul, so also in his word, either in the Torah of Yahuwah or in the Torah of Beliar. And there is a division between light and darkness, between seeing and hearing. So also there is a division between man and man and between woman and woman. And it is not to be said that there is like one, like. The, I'm sorry. And it is not to be said the one is like the other, either in face or in mind. And it talked about here, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth testifies all things and accuses all. And the sinner is burnt up by his own heart. By his own words, John 16:7-15. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth: it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he the spirit of truth is come and this is what we're talking about here the spirit of truth when he is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you all things that the father has are mine therefore i said said i that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you praise you chapter four we're almost done chapter four uh, just a few things i want to point out here and now, my children, I command you, love Levi, that you may abide and exalt not yourselves against him, lest you be utterly destroyed. For to me, Yahweh gave the kingdom, and to him the priesthood. And he set the kingdom beneath the priesthood. To me, he gave the things upon the earth, to him the things in heavens. And as the heaven is higher than the earth, so is the priesthood of Elohim higher than the earthly kingdom, unless it falls away through sin from Yahweh and is dominated by the earthly kingdom. For the angel of Yahweh said unto me, Yahuwah chose him rather than you to draw near to him and to eat of his table and to offer to him the first fruits of the choice things of the sons of Israel. But you shall be king of Jacob, and ye shall be amongst them as the sea. For as on the sea, just and unjust are tossed about, some taken into captivity while others are enriched, so also shall every race of men be in you. Some shall be impoverished, being taken captive, and others grow rich by plundering the possessions of others." for the kings shall be as sea monsters they shall swallow men like fishes the sons and daughters of freemen shall they enslave houses lands flocks money shall they plunder and with the flesh of many shall they wrongfully feed the ravens and the cranes and they shall advance in the evil covetousness uplifted and there shall be false prophets like tempest and they shall persecute all righteous men and yahweh shall bring upon them divisions one against the other and there shall be continual wars in Israel, and among men of another race shall my kingdom be brought to an end until the salvation of Israel come, until the appearing of the Elohim of righteousness, our Messiah, that Jacob and all the Gentiles may rest in peace. Praise Yah. And he shall guard the might of my kingdom forever, and for Yahuwah aware to, made me aware to me with an oath, swear to me with an oath that he would not destroy the kingdom from my seed forever. Now I have much grief, my children, because of your lewdness and witchcrafts and idolatries in which ye shall practice against the kingdom, following them that have familiar spirits, diviners, and demons of error. Ye shall make your daughters singing girls and harlots, and ye shall mingle in the abominations of the Gentiles. For which things sake, Yahweh shall bring upon you famine and pestilence, and death and sword, uh, beleaguering by enemies and revilings of friends, the slaughter of children, the rape of wives, the plundering of possessions, the burning of the temple of Elohim, the laying waste of the land, the enslavement of yourselves among the, the nations. And they shall make some of you for their wives. we learn about that in the book of Daniel until Yahweh visit you when with perfect heart you repent and walk in all his commandments he bring you up from captivity among the nations and after these things shall a star arise to you from Jacob in peace that's what we read earlier in um, uh, Genesis 49 a man shall arise from my seed like the son of righteousness son of righteousness we read about in Malachi was prophesied that Messiah would be like the son of righteousness and he is walking with the sons of men in meekness and righteousness and no sin shall be found in him and the heaven shall be opened unto him to pour, out the, to pour out the spirit we learned about this in his baptism even the blessing of the Holy Father and he shall pour out the spirit of grace upon you and ye shall be unto him sons in truth and ye shall walk in his commandments first and last so be sons of truth through Messiah Yahushua we have the opportunity to be sons of truth uh, John 1, 12 but as many as received him are Messiah Yahushua, to them, gave he power to become the sons of Elohim, even to them that believe on his name. 1 John 2, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yahushua HaMashiach the Righteous. And he is the propitiation, or the atonement, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, "I know him," and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth, the Torah, is not him, and not in him. If you're new to this, and you're like, "What's this commandment keeping? What's this Torah keeping you know, all about?" Please, if you're new, um, on the main page of our of the of our um, YouTube page, we have a, a playlist called "The Basics of the Truth." Please t- please take a look at that. But whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of Elohim perfected, and hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abides in him or lives in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have from the beginning. So this is letting you know that these commandments are not a new set of commandments, but the old ones. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, or also, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because darkness has passed and the true light now shines. He that says that he is in the light, Proverbs 6.23 says the Torah is light, and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, the Torah, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and knows not where he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I read unto you fathers because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I read unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I read unto you little children because you have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong, and the word of Elohim abides in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. And this is a possibility for everyone out there listening. Maybe maybe all some of you, everyone listening here has already, already overcome everything in their life. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you need to overcome. But you can do that through his Ruach. Love not the world. This is the, this is the key here. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that does the will of Elohim abides forever. And what's the will of Elohim? Is to keep the commandments. That's what he's been telling us from the very beginning. He's not saying that everything in the world is bad. Wine's not bad. Food's not bad. Clothing, um, things that money buys are not bad. But if that's what you love, if that's what your focus, if that's what this uh, idol's in your heart, you're not serving Elohim. And it's time to repent. It's time to pray and fast if you need to, to get away from these things, to break these chains, to break these bondages that may be over you. Let's pray right now. Father Yahuwah, we just come before you in your Son, Yahushua's name, and Father, I just pray right now that if someone out there is in bondage or in chains to these things, Father, that you break them of these things, that they would seek you diligently in prayer and fasting if needed, and that you break these things, Father. Give them your Ruach HaKodesh, that they may do this thing, that they may do this in spirit and truth, oh yeah. In Yahushua's name we pray, amen. We're almost done here. Then shall the scepter of my kingdom shine forth, and from your root shall arise a stem, the stem of Jesse, that we read about in the book of Isaiah 11. And from it shall grow a rod of righteousness to the Gentiles. This is all messianic prophecy here, to judge and to save all that call upon Yahuwah. And after these things shall Abraham and Isaac and Jacob arise unto life, and I and my brethren shall be chiefs of the tribes of Israel. Levi first, I second, Yosef third, Benjamin fourth. Simeon 4th, Issachar 6th, and so all in order. And Yahweh blessed Levi, and the angel that presents me, the powers of glory, Simeon, the heaven, Reuben, the earth, Issachar, the sea, Zebulon, the mountains, Yosef, the tabernacle, Benjamin, the luminaries, Dan, Eden, Naphtali, the sun, Gad, the moon, Asher, and ye shall be the people of Yahweh, and have one tongue, and there shall be no spirit of deceit of Beliar, for he shall be cast into the fire for ever. And they who have died in grief shall arise in joy, and they who are poor for Yahweh's sake shall be made rich, and they who are put to death for Yahweh's sake shall awake to life, and the hearts of Jacob shall run in joyfulness, and the eagles of Israel shall fly in gladness. Isaiah forty, forty one, praise you. And all the people shall glorify Yahweh forever. Observe there observe therefore, my children, all the law, the Torah of Yahweh. Hallelujah, there it is. For there is hope for all them who hold fast unto his ways. And he said unto them, Behold, I die before your eyes this day, 119 years old. Let no one bury me in costly apparel, nor tear open my bowels. For this shall they who are kings do, and carry me up to Hebron with you. And Judah, when he had said these things, fell asleep. And his sons did according to all whatsoever he commanded them. And they buried him in Hebron with his fathers. And that is the testament of Judah. Brothers and sisters, I pray it was a blessing for you. Let's pray. Father Yahuwah, I just pray that the words that we read today and study today would be prove to be a blessing for my brothers and sisters. And I pray that all of us can grow together and grow in your truth and your Torah, Father, through the power of Messiah Husha and the Ruach, the Spirit you've given us through him and his obedience. Father, I pray that if anyone here uh, needed to hear these words, that you'd open their eyes and ears, Father, to hear it, and that they grow, and that they would repent and that, uh, do whatever that need, they need to be done in their life, Father, to, to grow in you. And yeah, we just love you. We were waiting for you. We just ask that you'd help all of us to grow, Father, to, to be ready, to be a ready uh, body when Messiah Yahushua returns and to be found faithful and obedient. And we just pray all these things in Yahushua's mighty name. Amen and hallelujah. Shabbat shalom, brothers and sisters. Um, pray it was a blessing for you. And I'm super excited to get back to this. And uh, And uh, we'll see you next week with, um, uh, what's next week? I guess, I guess next week would be, uh, let's see this, before. so it'll be Issachar So praise be to you. All right, Shabbat Shalom. We'll end with one song, Psalm 13. Blessings and Shalom.
1: All over me.